This is Sporting Max with Max Becker on SEN. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Sporting Max on 1116 SEN. It's your Sunday morning feed. Stay tuned uh, as 8 a.m. this morning, uh, second episode of the Kids Edition with myself and Ali Blackburn. But for now, we've got a superstar in the sports media uh, right next to me here in the studios, Fox Sports presenter, Kath Lochnan. Kath, it's amazing to have you on and an absolute honour for me to have you here in the studios. How are you? <laughs> it's amazing to be on. Thanks for having me, Max. And I've had a look at all the guests you've had on your <laughs> podcast and I have to say I'm very privileged to be on. So thank you. Now, Kath, I want to sort of start off with your childhood and can you tell me a bit about what growing up was like for you? Well, I grew up in Perth and I grew up in a very sporty family so sport was almost the escape. Sport had no rules. We could watch as much sport as we liked on TV at home. Um, I could get out of chores to go watch the Dockers play every fortnight at Subiaco Oval, which I don't know if you know of Subiaco Oval. It was yes, the old, yes, it's a bit old, isn't it? Old Oval <laughs> in Perth before Optus Stadium got built. Um, and so we all just loved watching footy in the winter and cricket in the summer. That's how, how it rolls over in WA. And I was a mad Dockers supporter because my dad was. I'm the youngest of five children and um, I was daddy's little girl. So I would go to the Dockers games with him every second Sunday. We always had the 2.10 start, uh, Frio's home games. And so sport was, um, it was just fun. And and I was so interested in it from the get-go. And I think family had a lot to do with that. I was also a bit of a competitive swimmer, yep. so I took that quite seriously up until probably 2021, 20, um, and then I decided to pursue a career in sports media. So um, childhood was, was nothing but happy and fond memories. I was very privileged to uh, be raised by the parents I had and also to be raised in a big family. It was it was awesome having four siblings to, to pick on and, and <laughs> stir the pot with, and we were all very competitive, so it was good times. So what was that like for you um, and how were you as sort of a footballer um, as a kid? A footballer? I didn't play football as a kid. Did I you was, play any? Did you I'm a bit compete unco, anything else honest, except um, swimming? Um, I did. I was track and field as well, athletics oh, yeah, and, and water polo. Yeah. Um, but swimming was what I was probably best at. So I, I stuck to swimming and really, and it's such a consuming sport. Um, yeah. That's why when... Training agendas. Oh, yeah, it yeah. is. It takes up so much time. That's why I have massive respect for Olympians because um, they don't get paid a lot of money. Yeah. They have this opportunity once every four years and they train so hard day in, day out. So um, I, I kind of know what that's like. I'm not saying I was an, I certainly wasn't an <laughs> Olympian, but I understand hard work and training and what you've got to pour into sport. And I think that's really helped me in my journalism career because I, I kind of get it. I don't know what it's like to be an AFL footballer, yeah. but I, I do understand the work ethic and the dedication and commitment it takes to, to achieve results in sport. So then during school life, I guess for you in uh, especially secondary and high school, yep. um, did journalism become a thing, um, especially early high school, say year seven, eight, nine, ten, um, that you started to really take an interest in writing and things like that? Yeah, I always loved English and drama and human biology as well. So I, yep. I think there was that sport. Yep. I, I always thought maybe I'll do physio, but then I do remember in about year 11, I thought, no, journalism's what I want to do. And I can't remember a specific moment, but I remember as soon as I got my mindset on journalism, there was I wasn't going to do anything else. Um, and so I... Was that, was that just, sorry, was that just like sports journalism or just journalism in just general? Just journalism yeah. initially, because there weren't many sports for email journalists at that time, Max. There was Katie Price on Channel 10 in Perth at the time. She was a sports reporter. There might have been Caroline um, Wilson. Yes. Just but, coming into the scene. But being in Perth, you were, you were kind of away from it all. Yep. So Katie Price was probably the only one I, I really saw on a regular basis. Um, and things have obviously changed a lot now. There's yeah. so many fabulous yeah. women working across, you know, radio, print and television. But I, I started initially enrolling in um, journalism degree at Curtin University and just being interested in journalism, um, having my eyes open to, you know, I actually... I'm a bit of a sucker for a true crime series yeah. and stuff. So I thought, well, maybe I'll want to be, a, you know, a crime reporter or 
Um, but it naturally was just someone suggested to me one day, oh, you should do sports journalism. And as soon as someone suggested that, I, I, it clicked and I thought, yep, that's the way I'm going to go. So um spent the first couple, it's a three-year degree, Max, and this probably isn't what I should be telling you and your listeners, but I didn't try that hard in my first two years of university. And I feel really lazy saying that now, especially in front of you, because you're what <laughs> 15 with your own podcast and, and you're doing such amazing things. But I remember a lot of tutors and lecturers saying, you should write your own blog or um, wow, do a yeah. po- well, podcast, won't they? Yeah. But, you know, they encourage you to do work outside of university hours, you know, to try build a bit of a portfolio. Like a cadetship or something like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. So that when you, and work experience so that you don't graduate and, and have nothing to show for it. But I just kind of knew I, I wanted to, I guess, live life a bit. I wanted to travel. I, I went and did um, college in the States for a semester and, and wow. swam there. So I, and, and then I, you know, went off and traveled a fair bit. So I knew that's just how I wanted to go about it. But I had this, I guess, underlying confidence that when I decided I was going to um, put my heart and soul into it, I was I was going to make it work, which was a little bit probably naive looking back on it because I was this, you know, young Perth girl so yeah. far away yeah. from the sports media hub that is in, you know, Melbourne and Sydney and I had no friends or connections in the industry. <laughs> I'm not sure if you did, but um, so I, I, I can't believe I was that kind of confident that I was going to figure it out, but I did have a, a subtle confidence about it. And when I got back from the States and I had a year to go, that's when I really flicked the switch and, and poured everything into it. Now, I want to get to your swimming career, and then we'll get into sort of college <laughs> and America experience. It's not experience. that fascinating, no, well, you came overall 16th <laughs> in the Australian Open Senior Nationals. Can you tell Good me about... research by yes, you. Yes, what was it like as a swimmer for you? We know the heck, we've talked about the hectic schedules. <laughs> um, I've spoken with people like a Kate Campbell, um, the Olympian, um, of how hectic her schedule is on a daily and weekly, yearly basis. What was your schedule like for you and what was it like to, you know, be in Australian national championships? Well, Kate was a lot faster than me, just putting that on the record. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was just – it's a very consuming sport, Max. So, um, you know, you're, you're training every morning and night and you're Catch doing – Is that like was, five, six hours a day? Yeah, probably about five. Yeah. Um, I was a 200 meter, 400 meter freestyler. That were they were my main events. So that requires quite um, long sessions. And I always used to hate looking at the sprinters, and I just wish I was, you yeah. know, a 50 meter freestyler. <laughs> that was my pet event because they would go off and do the sprint set, and I would be locked into doing, you know, the 3100s heart rate lactic acid kind of set main set. Um, but yeah, we would do probably about five and a half to six k sessions, and. Um, you know, it was, I can't believe, it feels like such a long time ago because I would not spend that much time exercising these days. I like to do my 45 <laughs> minutes and then I'm done, yeah. Max. But I look back and it, it was such good um, training and, and more so just um, training that discipline and work ethic because funnily, funnily enough, those early morning starts of doing the, you know, 5am sessions actually prepared me for when I started in the media industry and you've got to do the Oh, I was getting up for a long time there at three fifteen for yeah. radio and television. Yeah. So it's funny how those things intertwine. And um, I definitely think my swimming career uh, taught me a lot that I don't think I would have learnt any other way. And it certainly set me up for a successful media career as well because it um, instilled in me a good work ethic. So you achieved a bit of success at the Australian Age Nationals with a silver medal. Um, can you tell me a this bit about... This feels like so long yeah. ago, Max. <laughs> can you tell, take me through this and how that... Did that influence your decision to go into a media career at all? I think it did because I'm so fascinated by athletes and, and yeah. success and failure and how do you work your way back from that or how do you yeah. um, keep yourself motivated when you've achieved so much. So, um, yeah, I think it definitely steered me into sports media, but I just do, I do remember hitting an age where I thought I'm not going to make the Olympics. I'm not good enough. That's just the reality. Um, I don't want to spend my time just swimming and kind of not really knowing where my life's going to go. I just made a decision. I think I'm going to stop this swimming and start to build a career. Um, what do I want to do with my life? So I was quite brutal in that, but I'm, I'm really glad I, I made that brutal call because, um, I wouldn't have wanted to be one of those swimmers who just kind of go
goes through the motions half-heartedly, wishes maybe something will miraculously happen one day and I'll become an Olympian. Yeah. I knew I, I'm not going to make it. I'm probably not going to make it. Um, so I'm going to pursue this sports media career idea I've got in my mind. Now, Kath, I want to get into your college career. We'll get to that on the other side of the break. Okay. Welcome back. Back from the break, uh, Fox presenter Kath Lochnan. Kath, I want to get into your experience of a semester at college, like you mentioned earlier before. Now, what's that? what was that college experience like for you and was that a sustainable path um, in media, especially for you if you had gone? Yeah, you know, it was, for a couple it, of years. It was awesome. Um, the the units I did weren't actually um, the most important units, uh, but it was. I went for the experience, Max, and I wanted to to just see what it was like. I actually wanted to go to the University of Oregon because mm-hmm. I am a massive Steve Prefontaine fan. I'm not sure if you know too much about him, but Ooh, he was an American yeah. um, distance track runner. And uh, I won't spoil the story, but you should watch a movie called Without Limits. Yeah. Um, and he was coached by Bill Bauman, who was massive in, in the Nike setup. Um, and so I wanted to go there because of the history of the university. Um, but unfortunately, they weren't just the way it rolled with um, taking students and whatnot. They'd, they'd sent too many students from my university in previous semesters, so they were having a break. So I was a bit unlucky there, but I was like, okay, well, I'll go to Southern California because I love California. Yeah. And went to a college in Irvine. And I, I didn't realise at the time because Curtin University in Perth was very different. You, you had your high school friends, and so you would just go to university for your classes and get out of there as soon as class finished, whereas college is, is an experience and it's a lifestyle and you live on campus and – yeah. And you're encouraged to get involved as, in as much as possible. Yeah, exactly. So I went there not committing to swimming just to go to college, but then I quickly realised you should be part of a sport team or, or something, do something. So I remember I met up with the head coach and and he said, oh, um, look, we've actually given away all our scholarships. Like we don't really have any wow. money for you. Kind of, And I, I don't think he realised, <laughs> you know, how it works in Australia yeah. with our hex <laughs> Like I didn't need money. I was yeah. just there on, you know um, – just for exchange. So um, I said, no, 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 don't worry. I don't need a scholarship. Like I just want to be part of the swim mm-hmm. team. And he said, okay, we'll come down to training. We'll see how you see how you are. And I sound very arrogant, feel very arrogant saying this, but I was one of the fastest, I was the fastest female on the swim team by the yeah. end. And they offered a scholarship for me to stay on, um, which would have meant I would have had to have done an extra semester because yeah. I had to come back to Australia to do the final year where you do your work placements and whatnot, the fun stuff. Um, and so I declined the offer, but I had an amazing time and joining the swim team was one of the best decisions because you go to Las Vegas or Santa Monica or you Mm -hmm. you just travel around San Francisco, you travel around California for these swim meets. Um, and that was awesome because that's what I was there for, to have an experience and to travel and to see, see the States. So it was, um, it was an awesome experience. So what was your first placement in uni? First placement? So this is where I go back to the point of I was a bit lazy until the third year. Yeah. And I got back from the States and I thought, all right, I'm getting cracking. And I had two placements. One was at GWN in Bunbury, which um, is the Channel 7 regional news. Yeah. And I actually have a very funny story from that week. Um, And then the other work placement was Fox Sports News in Sydney. And I, I can't believe I even got that work placement because I just applied at apply at foxsports.com.au, the most generic yeah. email. And I <laughs> yeah. managed to get this response from yeah. this HR girl and she said, it will take you if you're a third year journalism student. And I was. So that's when people ask, is it worth going to university or not? I would probably say, no, get into the industry and just get cracking and, and get working. You will learn on does the it, job. Does it help when you're applying for jobs with that but, uni degree beside your name? I don't for, know. For Fox At Fox especially. I don't know, but my point is I wouldn't have got my foot in the door if yeah. I hadn't have been a journalism student because Fox wouldn't yeah. have taken me for that work placement. So it's funny how, you know, I probably didn't learn too much in that three-year journalism degree, mm-hmm. but if I hadn't have done it, I wouldn't have got those two work placements. So um, I needed to in the end because, as I said, I had no connections in the industry. I needed all the help I could get. Yeah. Um, so I did do those work placements and by the end of those, I, got, I actually got offered a job by both. Um, GWN was a full-time job, 38000 a year, which 
might sound a lot to you, Max, but when you think about it, full time work. Yeah, it's for 12 not months, when you got to supply for yourself. It's, yeah, it's not a lot of money. Um, and Fox Sports was funny. They said, "Look, we'll give you some freelance shifts um, if we really continue to like your work. We'll, we'll give you more." Um, if we don't, you know, then we'll probably cut back on the shift. So, you know, no promises, but if you're moving to Sydney, um, we'll give you some freelance shifts to start. And that was actually $400 a shift, which was great yeah, money for a 21-year-old yeah. coming out yeah. of university. <laughs> um, they were tw- uh, 10-hour shifts, so you either did 4 a.m. till midday or um, – no, 4 a.m. till 2 p.m. or 2 p.m. till midnight. So it was tough work. Um so I... What one was your... Did you like best? Oh, I actually did a lot of 4am starts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because then I could go home, go to the beach and then pass out and do it all again the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I declined the GWN offer um, and I moved to Sydney and I actually got work at a 2SM radio station, which was doing, you know, script writing and then... You know, when you got promoted, you could read the hourly news updates mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. 2SM. And I juggled 2SM and Fox Sports freelance shifts with the intention of hopefully impressing those at Fox Sports and getting a full-time job with them eventually. And I did. But um, tough hours because I remember those 2SM hours, I was doing a lot of overnight shifts, so 8pm till 4am. Yeah, and then you'd get the call to, oh, do you want to come do a freelance shift at Fox? So yeah, there were right. some back-to-back days, but that, that's what you got to do when you start. You've just got to take what you can get, um, show people that you work hard and and it will eventually pay off. So how did you you progress? I guess you got a great story progressing through the ranks um, at Fox Sports and especially Fox Cricket. Um, can you tell me about how you came to be an editorial um, assistant and then move into you know, a role as a digital video producer. Yeah. So when I started doing those freelance shifts at, at Fox Sports, I was doing a bit of everything. So um, <clears throat> some shifts I was reporting and I was going out to press conferences and I loved that. Other shifts I was staying in, manning the desk kind of with breaking news and, and the social media um, platforms. And also Fox Sports News had this ticker, you know, those tickers that run along the bottom of screens with the news updates, you know, Fox yes, Sports yeah, have yeah, one yeah, at the yeah. moment. Um, yeah. I would I would write those sentences, um, <laughs> and and then I also did a bit of digital work, so cutting up highlights, doing digital stories. Um, so I did a real mix of everything, and it was it was great because I learnt so many skills. And it was in that it was when times were changing, and, and you had to be multi skilled. So I was happy to do that. I I wanted to know how to be a gun editor, how to you know report, voice present. And do all the stuff behind the scenes as well. So it was a great training ground. And I was just really lucky at the time, Fox Sports News was filled with so many talented people, whether it be editors or presenters, reporters, producers. So I was just so lucky to be there at that time and to learn off so many great people who have gone on and done, you know, we're all spread across the media industry and landscape now. And it's great to catch up with them every so often. But um, I was lucky with that. And then... Naturally, just started doing a bit more on-air um, work and really felt like that was my bread and butter and that's what I wanted to do. But at the same time, you don't want to come across as a bit full of yourself and thinking, yeah. oh, I'm only on-air. So yeah. I, I made sure I did everything and I enjoyed doing everything, but I knew probably my my strength was on-air presenting. Um, so started getting on-air opportunities, started reading some news bulletins, which was Purely auto cue, so yeah. at the time, super nerve wracking. But now I, I look back and I'm like, yeah. oh, it's <laughs> it fine, Kat. Yeah. You had scripts there. Like all you had to do was read it. Yeah. <laughs> what were you stressing about? But I was so nervous. Um, and then naturally, just uh, I think when I, I I did have a moment though, Max, where I thought, I don't know if news is for me. I don't know if I, you know. I don't really care. I don't want to pester Max Becker and see how bad his hamstring is and, and yeah. you know, go and report that on the news. I didn't have yeah. that hunger and I think you either have it or you don't. So I was a bit like, well, I enjoy sports media and while I enjoy being on air and I don't know what my niche is yet. And then the AFLW began and I started doing boundary writing for the GWS Giants games because mm-hmm. I was Sydney-based and Fox Footy asked me to do those. And... The first game I did on the boundary, I was like, this is it. I want to do live sport. Problem is, it's pretty hard to get into live sport. Yeah. There's not many jobs. But I'd found my niche, I guess, and I, I knew what I wanted to do then. I, I I don't want to be a newsbreaker, but I would love to work on live sport and 
sure enough, just slowly each year that's gone by, I did a bit more and more, moved to Melbourne, which was the game changer for me because I knew, I knew eventually I'd be here because of AFL. Um, but that really changed things when I joined Fox footy and I was, I was no longer Fox sports news. I just did Fox footy in the winter and Fox cricket in the summer. And that's what I do now. And that's what I, I love. So a lot of people, and especially Howie, um, talk about, um, you know, when you're coming up through the ranks, um, and especially being a host, um, you got to know what the producers and directors of a show want. Yep. Um, so what was that like for you and for you as a host or presenter now, um, and to really understand what the producers require of you? Yeah. I think the, the best thing about when you're more experienced is you work with the producers. So I think when you're less experienced, you just feel as though you've got to do whatever the producer tells you. Yep. Whereas now I love working with the producer and, and having a bit of a chit chat before the show and going, oh, do you reckon we do that? Or why don't we change that? Why don't we move this here or there? Um, but definitely you know what stresses them out and stresses them out is is going completely off on a tangent and, and not following the rundown. And, yeah. and so I think yeah. it, it it's, you know, takes, takes two. You've got to um, – They've got to be accommodating to, to me and my presenting style and I've got to be accommodating to, to them and, and what, where they want the show heading and what they want it to look like. Um, they're certainly they're different. It's, it's different with every show you do though because, um, for example, this new Best on Ground show we've got on a Saturday night, there are so many moving pieces to it and so many people working on the show. you just got to literally play your role, do what you're told and, you know, you can throw up the odd idea here or there, but I, I stay in my lane a lot with that show. Pretty much all put down on paper yep, for you. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I'd definitely... Except it doesn't come across that way, does it? Yeah, no, you're trying to make it as natural as possible. Yeah. Certainly when it comes to the headlines, I'll just tell the producer, look, I'm going to do this, 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 this. And, and he he likes that because he doesn't have to worry about the headlines. I've got them covered and that's what we'll do. He's he's worried about the rest of the show really. But for the rest of the show, I just do what I'm told, Max. Mm-hmm. Um, different if you're, say, working on a 360. And again, um, that's not my show. But when I've filled in, you, you kind of just do what you're told because mm-hmm. there's a brilliant producer who's been working on that for, for years. Um and so you just follow his lead and trust him and he might ask me the odd question and whatever. So every show is different and you've just got to, and every producer is different too, Max. That's the other thing. So um, you just got to find a way to, to bring out the best in them and for them to bring out the best in you. Um, now you mentioned your first game, um, boundary riding for the GWS Giants in AFLW. Can you take me through what was that, what, sorry, what that was like for you? <laughs> Um, as a boundary rider and reporter, you know, you, especially how nerve-wracking that might have yeah. been for you, you know, you got to approach clubs and players and things yeah. like that. No, super nervous, so nervous. I remember I was driving out because it was out of Blacktown, so it was a fair drive and I was just sweating the whole time, shaking. I was so nervous and <laughs> practising my questions. And, yeah. and that's the other thing you do when you're younger don't you? and less experienced. You, you practise your questions almost off by heart and you almost forget to listen to their answers. You know, yeah, you're just yeah. so worked up. Um, and it was also daunting because the AFLW was just beginning. So every player was a stranger to us almost, yeah. you know. Yeah, there was no one you yeah. recognised. But everyone was so accommodating with that, you know. Fox footy didn't expect you to know everyone. They they knew everyone was in the same boat. Um, the clubs knew that you didn't know them. So I went out to the Giants a couple of times and I haven't trained with the girls once. <laughs> um, so you do you do the best you can, but it was an inaugural competition Um we were all in the same boat of not knowing how <laughs> it yeah. was going to pan out or, or, you know, not knowing each other's faces immediately. But um, so it was probably, that probably actually worked in my favour looking back on it. Um, now, being a presenter um, with Fox Cricket, you've been with Fox Cricket since 2019, as you mentioned, covering footy in the winter and cricket in the summer. Yep. Um, what's that like to be a part of a team, you know, Adam Gilchrist, Mark Howard, oh. um, Val, Val Shane Warne, um, Isha Guha and you know, yeah. presenters, commentators and former players like that. Well, how would you feel working alongside them, Max? I'd, I'd feel a bit nerve. I'd, <laughs> I'd feel a bit starstruck, to be completely honest. <laughs> well, that's exactly how I felt. And I still do sometimes pinch myself and think, am I really, did Gilly really just, you know, take me, you know, text me or did, did I just go and have a drink with Michael Vaughan and Isha Gua? You yeah. know, I, <laughs> I, I, I do pinch myself still sometimes, but... um. 
unfortunately that that wears off after time and you do realise they're just human beings like the rest of us. And, yes, they have enormous star power, but they're also super down to earth. So um, quickly I've felt like friends with them all and we have such a great culture at Fox Cricket and – it's been super sad to have lost one of our members in, in the great Shane Warne, but it was also beautiful um, the way everyone supported each other and, and got together and we, we sent him off in style with, a, you know, Mark Howard did an amazing job hosting the tribute and, and everyone who worked on that behind the scenes and in front of camera did a great job. And then also the, the send-off that I think Jam TV did at the MCG the other night and Fox did a mm-hmm. little pre, pre-show show. Um, I think we we set him off, in, send him off in style, but um, it is yeah, it's a very different job and team to Fox Footy, mm-hmm. just because I think you're spending a lot more time together. You're almost each other's family on the road in the summer. Um, you know, you spend a lot of time catching planes and Ubers and yeah. staying at hotels and going for dinners. So there's a real family feel to it. And particularly over those Christmas New Year periods where you're, you're missing your actual family, yeah. but we've got this great team at Fox Cricket, and and then you work on, you know, working on the Ashes was a pinch, pinch myself moment. Um, but then also having the variety of going to a big bash game the next night, or doing an ODI or a T20 International. You yeah. know, I love the variety of it, and it certainly keeps you on your toes. And then you absolutely crash once the summer's done, and yeah. and you realise footy's around the corner. Yeah. But I love it. <laughs> Now, Kath, um, we'll take a quick break. I want to get back um, and t- have a chat about the Ashes, just like you mentioned on the other side. Welcome back from the break. It's your Sunday morning feed, Fox footy and cricket presenter and boundary writer reporter, Kath Lochnan. Um, now, Kath, I want to get into this Ashes series um, that's just gone by and also the Pakistan series um, for Australia. Obviously, um, you didn't get over to Pakistan there. No. But what was the Ashes like for you to report such injuries as um, Josh Hazelwood, obviously, um, the announcement of um, Pat Cummins being the new Australian captain and then also the announcement of Justin Langer um, resigning. I just couldn't believe all the news stories to emerge from that series. I mean, there's always drama with an Ashes series, but yeah. I've heard um, – because that was my first Ashes series, Max, but I've heard from people who have covered many Ashes series that they ca- cannot believe the amount of stories and drama that that came out of this yeah. summer's Ashes. And, you know, it, it all started with the Tim Payne having to step down, which feels like 10 years ago now. Yeah, I mean, exactly. that, that's how much happened. Um and there were so many injuries and, and well, the if, COVID if, dramas. If Tim wasn't the captain, yes. to be honest, do you think he'd still have a spot in this in this Australian side? I have a feeling that he would have perhaps bid farewell in Hobart. I think that would have been a very nice ending to his career back in his home state, um, Ashes Series 1. Uh, the first Ashes test in Hobart. I mean, it's it's a bit of a fairy tale ending, isn't it? But mm. who knows? Maybe he would have got to that test and gone, I think I can go a little bit longer. Mm. But I f- have a feeling there was a general feeling amongst all cricket people that this was perhaps his last summer. But we were saying that a few years before. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's hard to know. But it's unfortunate the way his captaincy ended, given um, how it began and, and what a saviour he and Justin Langer were. And it just it does blow your mind a bit how quickly things change. But in saying that, uh, we have to look at the positives. And the positives are, I think, Pat Cummins is a fabulous captain. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think he had this ruthless edge in him. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he's very strong and, and um, determined and, you know, all those debates about is it going to work, having a fast bowler captain, well, it's it's certainly working. So yeah. um, there will obviously come challenging times. Um, Pakistan was a bit challenging for them. I didn't watch every the, ball, the I have to admit. <laughs> the wickets <Yeah>. were terrible. <laughs> Um, I got a bit more into footy mode then and, and didn't watch as much as I would have liked. But um, I'm, I'm really excited to see where his captaincy goes because um, the, the early signs have been great. Um, now, so what was that like to, um, you know, get to know some of the players um, and especially Pat Cummins? Yeah, it's funny because they're, they're such um, global superstars, aren't they, compared mm-hmm. to, you know, it's still a pinch yourself moment when you can 
um, interview one of the greats of AFL, but cricket is just this different sport, isn't it? It's a it's a worldwide sport, and it's our country, and it's the eleven best cricketers in our country. Yeah. Um. I. Uh, that's another reason I adore. Pat Cummins as a captain because he um, handles himself beautifully. He's very polite and um, has been nothing but nice to me and, and so engaging whenever you interview him. He, he rarely says cliches and, and he's always, you can tell he's listening to your question and, he, and he's engaged. Um, and, you know, the others, it's it's hard, Max, because, and uh, you know, all the Australian cricketers have been great to me, but I think about what I do and Sometimes, you know, I'm walking out to interview them and it's a 40 degree day and they've just been batting for two hours yeah. <laughs> or, you know, whatever. And I'm wanting to, to ask yeah. a few questions. You know, that's that's testing and, and yeah. they've been nothing but polite and gentlemen. So um, kudos to them. I I think it's it's changed a bit. We don't interview as much during play now. Um, scaled back a bit on that. But uh, it's still... A, a privilege whenever I get the opportunity to, to speak to a test cricketer because um, it's an intense sport. Mm-hmm. It is it is the greatest test. That is why it's called test cricket. And, um, yeah, I love it. And I, I'm intrigued for someone your age, Max, would you prefer to watch a test match or a big bash game? Well, not a big bash game, a T20 international T20, where there's – I'd rather watch a test match. Good. Because the, the talent's enormous. I'd like the pace of the balls are a bit better – and I like to see um, someone like a Travis Head come out um, and in 60 balls, 70 balls, like yes. he did make his 100, um, where if he does that in a T20 ODI game, there's not a heap of fuss of that at 60, 70 balls. But in a test match, he's coming out smashing these world-class bowlers um, like uh, Jimmy Anderson um, yeah. <clears throat> and Joe Root, um, who can come out on any day and just turn it on. Yeah. I should have asked, would you prefer to watch a t- test match or a T20 international with the biggest superstars in the yeah. game? <laughs> um, Big Bash, unfortunately, the quality has gone downhill a little bit lately, hasn't it? But yeah. um, I'm glad you answered yeah. test cricket because um, that's that's nice to hear from from a younger person like yourself. Now, what, what, what's... Um what do you prefer and what's the difference that you mainly notice between covering, say, a Big Bash game or a T20 uh, game compared to a Test match or an ODI? Um, test match, I perhaps do a lot more prep. Um, that might sound lazy, but to me, Test test match cricket is, is the ultimate and um, it's such a journey. You, you know, you're, you're not... Uh, you're not usually covering one test match. You're covering the series. Yeah. So I enjoy that challenge of it more. It's it's more, <laughs> it sounds silly coming from it, but it's testing for broadcasters too. Like they're long days. Um, you've always got to be alert and on. And, and, on, and yeah. you never really know when something's going to happen. T20 game, you can rock up knowing you're done in four hours, you know, once you've done pre-game and, and all that, you're out of there. Um, and as you say, with Test match cricket just seems so much more unpredictable. T20 cricket, you know, either, you know, some someone's, someone's going to come out and make 100 or someone's going to take, yeah, yeah, exactly. It seems just a bit more predictable. Rashid going to take a five-wicket hole. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty special when it happens still. But, um, yeah, I think I like that unpredictable nature of test match cricket and just having to be so across everything and so prepared for any story that's going to unfold. So you mentioned before um, – hosting um, AFL 360, you're the first uh, woman to do so um, in sports media. What was that like for you? It was an absolute privilege to fill in for Jared for a week. Um, it's no easy task when you get told you're going to fill in for Jared Waitley yeah. <laughs> because he is so incredible at what he does and so intelligent. How did you get along with Robbo? I love Robbo. Yeah. And to be honest, that was one thing a lot of people said in the lead up to it. Oh, how are you going to get along with Robbo? How is this going to work? Because I guess, I don't know. Perhaps people look him, at me and him think... Him and Jared are complete different, <laughs> um, completely different people and yes, just come together for 40. Exactly. And they probably thought I was going to be even more completely different to Robbo because yeah. of our age difference or, yeah. you know, what have you. But Robbo had been so lovely to me 
from the moment I began at Fox Footy and we always got along, had a good laugh here and there. So I had no concerns about getting along with Robbo and I knew he would look after me and he did. It was more just the pressure of filling in for Jared Waitley, to be honest, that made me most (laughs) nervous. And also it was a show I'd watched as a child with my brother and, you know, you grew I grew up with Jared and Robbo on every afternoon in our household. So to be given the opportunity to fill in for a week was enormous. And my brother was actually the first person I called and yeah. he he couldn't believe it. He, he swore, which I'm not going to swear on your podcast, Max. <laughs> um, children are listening. But, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a cool moment because it had been a show I'd grown up with and loved and adored and... I don't know if you have a show that you watch religiously and if someone was to tell you you're going to host it for a week in in five to ten years' time, it's it's a career highlight. As a kid, did you notice that complete different uh, personality or difference of, um, yeah, like I said, personality between Gerald and Robbo? Yeah, I guess I... I didn't know, because I didn't know much about television, I didn't know why it worked so well, but I loved the combination. Mm -hmm. And it's since listening to Robbo and Jared talk about it and the producer, Tim Hodges, um, I get it. It's it's the essence of the show is to have two people who have nothing in common but a love of footy. And it's true. You can have nothing in common with someone, but if you start talking about last night's footy match or what's happening at Essendon, you can all of a sudden get talking for an hour nonstop. Mm-hmm. So I, I do love the, the essence of the show and, and and the directive that was from day dot of let's let's do this, let's get two completely different people and force them to sit next to each other for an hour and talk yeah. forty and see how it goes. And it's been been an absolute winner. So you've been with Fox uh, for four years now, or maybe in five years. Eight. Eight. Eight, yes. sorry, four with Fox footy, I think it might be. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. four, yeah. Yep. So what's it like to work with someone like Nick Rewald or Jonathan Brown or yeah. Gary Lyon? Similar to when we are talking about the Fox cricket stars, you can't get used to it, Max. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I do, Um, you know, recently starting this Best on Ground show has been pretty cool because um, it's got a, a great lineup with yeah, three of the biggest names in the game in, in Buckley and Brown and Rewalt. And then Mark Howard has been a mentor to me. So I do um, pinch myself a little bit thinking, what am I yeah. doing here? <laughs> How cool is this? So I'm just sitting watching the footy with three legends and, and one, of, one of my good mates in Howie and, and um, then we just go on air and talk about it like, oh, is this really a job? Um, but it is, yeah, you know, and you, you see – I think for me, there's always the odd random moment. Maybe you're watching a old highlight of Jason Dunstall or, um, I don't know, seeing Brownie and Rewalt's marks that they always go yeah. on and on about. And you do think, oh, Jesus, they were so good, weren't they? Mm-hmm. And now I just get to work with them and, and know them as, as friends and just as people. Well, that's pretty cool. So, yeah, I do pinch myself the odd time, but then at the same time, you do get a bit used to it, Max. What's Mark Howard like behind the scenes? <laughs> oh, he's exactly what he's like on camera, and that's why I love him and, and rate him so highly because I would watch him. I don't know if you remember when the Big Bash was on Channel 10 yeah, and how he would do a lot of games with Ricky Ponting and Mark War, and it was just such a good trio, and I remember loving when those three were on a game, and then when Fox got the cricket rights and – how he came to Fox and I was starting to work on Fox Cricket. I, I couldn't believe it. I thought, oh, my God, I get to meet Mark Howard. Yeah. And, I, <laughs> um, and I picked his brain from day one and he's just such a wonderful person that he took me under his wing a bit and, and he still does. will send me the odd text or, you know, and luckily like we're more mates now, but he still plays that mentor role at times and I'm so grateful for him and, and all that he's done for me over the past few years. He's definitely – um, inspired me to be as natural on air as possible, mm-hmm. and and make make it as if you're at the pub having a conversation with your mate. Don't don't try to be this stiff, perfect presenter. Show your personality and have a bit of fun. Yeah. Now I'm a massive Saints fan. Can you tell me a bit about what Nick Rewalt's like? Oh, okay. Um, he is lovely. He's um, such a down to earth person. Uh, did you see his interview with Jack Higgins the other week? I did. Yes. <laughs> and uh, to be honest, I probably thought when Rui was playing that he was way too serious and too full on. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I'd want to go 
have a beer with him. Yeah. <laughs> but I think media has probably been the best thing for him because we've actually got to know the, the real Nick Rewalt and um, he's such a fun person to be around. Um, as you're seeing on Best on Ground on Saturday nights, he's um, probably one of the most giving and generous people I know. The amount of things he do he does for other people and his family and friends and, and complete strangers, he's all class and um, – yeah, I'm lucky to call him a friend now too and, and he's been uh, very supportive of me and my career and will always help me out and um, he's someone I actually go to a lot for when I want to run by something or, you know, if there's a footy issue and I want to hear his opinion first before I do anything. You know, I, I do um, tap into his brain a lot and he's always giving with his time. So, um if he is your hero, he's probably just gone up in your books because <laughs> he's um, an even better bloke than he was footballer. Yeah, Kath, we'll get to a quick break and then we'll have a chat about Best on Ground and how that um, show came about. Okay. Welcome back from the break, Kath. I want to get a bit into Best on Ground. So can you tell okay. me about how that idea of the show came about? Well, I think for a while Fox had the idea, Fox Footy that is, had the idea of doing a light entertainment show. Yeah. They had the Maddie John show on Fox League, which rates so well and yeah. has been um, doing so well for a long time now. I think they always had intentions to do something of a similar nature with Fox footy. I don't know what exactly triggered it to be this year and this format and, and these people, but when I got told about it, it was actually uh, just before cricket season began. I was all in. I thought this is awesome. And I think that they're one of the great privileges is when you can be part of something from the start. And yeah, yeah. I'm really lucky to say I was part of Fox Cricket from the start and now to be part of Best on Ground from the start. And who knows where this show will go and, and you know, I'm, I'm making it sound like this show will be around for 20 years. Yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> but it's been really fun to be a part of it from the start and brainstorming ideas. Um, I remember when they first told us about how the opener was going to look and they're going to get this drone and, and then us filming the opener. So you see all the stages come together and the show come to life. And I think the only thing left for us to do now is just to keep having fun and building that chemistry, which we are every week is more and more enjoyable. And, you know, we, we can start having a bit more fun with it and thinking left field and yeah. who knows what we'll come up with. But it's been, I think, what, four weeks now and I've enjoyed every week of it. So they've covered um, a part of your life um, and it, there was a video of you as a kid um, sort of, I guess, interviewing uh, your dad. That wasn't me. No, it wasn't you. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> that was an actress, an actor. <laughs> but it was Absolutely. a cute kid. <laughs> no, that was not me. I can't yeah. take the credit. That was that was a very cute little girl, but she was actually one of the producer's little girls. Ah. So they just put a little old school uh, edit effect onto ah, it. And so, no, yeah. that, that wasn't me. Yeah, so what was it like for them to sort of try and, you know, yeah, I was, oh, to be honest, it was a bit cringe yeah. at first, but um, I promised myself I'd be all in on this show. So I did whatever I was told and just gave them all. And it was actually super fun filming it. And, you know, there were plenty of laughs. Um, I think it was their initial idea of everyone trying to get to know all the panellists and a different mm -hmm. side to them. Um, so everyone's done a, a skit. I think it's I don't think we've seen Brownie or Howie's yet. You've got to take the mickey out so of Howie I think now. That, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> That'll be good. Um, they're going to be a bit nervous over the next couple of weeks. But, no, everyone's been fully committed to the show and done anything that's been asked. So it's created a good vibe and a good sense of team. So what do you thought of the first sort of six, seven weeks of AFL? I can't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, it's gone quick. It's been so surprising as well. Yeah, and it has gone very quickly. Um, Joey Montagna, who I think is one of the best analysts in the game, and I had the privilege of doing, uh, just started Triple M radio show with him. And he always says to me, you got to stop thinking about teams as they were last year. It's a new year. Mm -hmm. Forget those, you know, preconceptions that you have of, of teams, but it's hard to course. do. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I've loved the surprises. And, and just when you think, you know, yeah, Brisbane are the, are the, are the closest threat to um, ending, you know, Melbourne's back-to-back -back premiership quest. And then you see Collingwood get so close to Brisbane at the Gabba the other week. And yeah. so then that starts to make you question yourself. But it is good having a six-week block now under our belts where we can we kind of know where each team's at. But, you know, who knows? Is a, a port going to suddenly 
yeah. <laughs> flip back into gear and uh, who, who knows? And I love seeing St. Oh, I know you're a Saints yeah. fan, but I've, yeah. I find St. Kilda one of the most um, attractive, watchable teams at the moment. And I'm, I'm, I just find myself looking where they're playing and who they're playing because I want to watch that game and hope that I'm on that game. Yeah. <laughs> um, they've yeah. become one of the real exciting teams. And then, you know, Fremantle, it's cool to see what they're doing at the moment. Um, uh, but gee, Melbourne just look <laughs> unbeatable. Yeah. Well, I think it was Adam Ruse had a press conference um, either today or yesterday. Yeah, he's yesterday. taking over this week, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's taking over mm. this week um, over Simon Goodwin, who's out for seven days due to COVID. Yep. He said there's like we're not that the coaches aren't happy with how they're playing and they're not um, up to the level that that they expect and how they were. It's amazing yeah, that it's these crazy the high think. standards they yeah. have, but I think as well those coaches have got to keep a lid on it because yeah. there's still so long to go. Max, yeah. um, speaking of Adam Uze, Jordan Lewis always raves about him. I don't know whether he's got senior coach written on him one day, but uh, yeah. we'll see. <laughs> um, but they've got a, an amazing um, club at the moment. Just the talent they have on their list, but also the coaches they have, and and they're just they're just constantly winning, and you never worry when Melbourne are behind in the game or, or not playing their best because you just have this confidence in them that they're going to find a way and they'll win and they have done for, what, the past 13 games. So, yeah, um, yeah, they, they're looking pretty hard to beat. Have you got any early uh, premiership calls? Well, everyone's talking up Fremantle and their profile oh. at the moment and maybe it's the fan in me. I don't want to get carried away, yeah. <laughs> but I'm also... Do you still go for Freo? Yeah, I do. But when yeah. you work in media, you become yeah. a bit more neutral and, and you, that fangirl in you starts to disappear. And so I, 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 I do enjoy watching all teams because I'm fascinated by all clubs and where they're at. Um, Fremantle and, and St Kilda, for that matter, I'd like to see them beat uh, your top top eight teams. They've, they've had pretty um, quiet starts to the season in terms of playing bottom bottom eight teams. So I'm very intrigued to see how Frio will go against Geelong this week in Geelong. I mean, that's a pretty tough road trip as well. So if they can beat the Cats in Geelong, that makes a massive statement. Who will St Kilda got this week? So they've, they've got Port Adelaide. And then they got Melbourne and Geelong, yeah, don't they? So they've that's... got Melbourne in Melbourne. Yeah. But it's not going to be an easy win against Port Adelaide because they've they're, pl- they're not, they're not too, isn't yeah, it? but they're not playing the worst footy they could. They're just not winning games. Yeah, exactly. So uh, th- the next three weeks will tell us a lot about St Kilda. So I'm really intrigued to see how they go, particularly against Melbourne and Geelong, in the following two weeks. So what about someone like Collingwood, and what does that injury of Brody Grundy do for for the Pies? I mean, they can bring in Mason Cox or yeah. um, some other young guys. Yeah, I'm um, I'm intrigued to see. Uh, I also think Jared Witts, because they play Gold Coast this weekend, and I think Jared Witts is severely underrated. Yeah. <laughs> um, again, I think it's just one of those cases of a player being interstate and, you know, if he if he was playing for a Melbourne club, perhaps he'd get a bit more attention mm-hmm. on the footy shows and, and whatnot. But, um, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate to see what's happening with um, a fair few ruckmen in the competition. I think it's, well, I know Luke Jackson's, out with COVID now, but Melbourne seem to be the only ones who are really settled and confident in their ruck situation. Mm. Um, they've got the best ruck combination. So killed were, but then Jack Hayes goes out with an ACL and Ron Marshall, Ron Marshall the quad and yeah, Paddy Ryder was suspended, wasn't he? <laughs> I think he comes back this week, doesn't he? No, he doesn't. Um, so yeah, it's interesting times. I mean, Sean Darcy's concussed, so that's a massive loss for Freo this week yeah. in their quest to beat Geelong. So um, yeah, quite interesting when you think about the ruckman in the competition, what's going on at the moment. And what about Hawthorne? They had a they had a pretty good start to the season. I think they were two and zero, and then they got um, beat by the Saints by sixty points. I think that might have been round three or four. Um, where do you see them going under Sam Mitchell in the next possibly three, four, five years? I think it's positive signs so far. We definitely get carried away, don't we? When yeah. you know Voss and McRae and Mitchell, and they're all undefeated to start, yeah. and and you know we just we jump to conclusions, thinking, oh, can they play final? I mean, I think can Carlton play finals was a legitimate question at the start of the season, given their list, where their list is at. Um, but you also just have to remind yourself that these are coaches who are what six games into their tenure. So, um, of course, there are going to be deficiencies in their game that get exposed and they can have the ugly loss here and there. But, I mean, the praise around Sam Mitchell and his coaching ability, I get to speak to Will Schofield quite regularly on AFL Tonight and um, he's spoken to me a lot about Sam Mitchell and the impact he had on 
their 2018 premiership win and it you know, goes as far to say that if Sam wasn't at the club in 2018, they wouldn't have won yeah. that year. So um, I hear a lot of, obviously, being former teammates in Jordan Lewis and um, Jared Rufford, they speak so highly of Sam as, as a coach and his footy IQ. So I think, I think there have been enough positive signs for six games into his tenure but um, it's only just the beginning and, and let's see where he takes this Hawthorne club. Now, Kath, just to quickly finish off, what's your best advice um, to anyone who wants to be a successful um, sport me- sports media person and, you know, be successful and work for, work for Fox Cricket and Fox Footy like yourself? Well, I don't think you need any advice, Max, because you're I already I, killing I it. I, might, I think I might. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say be yourself because... Um, there's there's very there's a big advantage of being individual and being creative and being unique and unlike anything else. People don't want when okay, let's say Channel Seven's commentary team. Would you want eight Brian Taylors? No. No. BT want, is unique and you just want one. Yeah. Um so don't try be Brian Taylor. Yeah. Be yourself <laughs> and bring something else to the team and and make bosses, whether it be a television station, radio or prints, um, prove why they need you because they don't have anyone like you. Um, I also think be patient. You're not going to get your dream job straight away, (laughs) nor do you want your dream jobs straight away because if you're not ready, you're most likely to stuff up and not do as good a job as, as you can. So be patient in building up your skills, building up your confidence. That's a big one. And um, it'll it'll come. So work hard. Also, do it your way. I, you know, I've told you about my first couple of years at university. I wasn't ready. I wasn't in the mindset to um, start my career. I wanted to just go travelling and and swim and um, go to music festivals and nightclub. I wanted to yeah. do all those young <laughs> things. But I knew when I decided to to get cracking, I was going to give it my all. So do it your way. Be patient work hard and stay true to yourself. Be unique. Don't try be someone else because you, you're never going to get to where you want to go. Thanks so much, Kath, for coming on today and putting aside an hour or so of your time to come into the studios um, and come on the podcast for a chat. Pleasure to be on. Keep kicking goals, Max. Thanks, Kath. Stay tuned, everyone, for Smart Sporting Max at 1116 SEN. This is Sporting Max with Max Becker on SEN.